In a world where even the smallest disagreements can lead to arguments, violence, and even death, two brothers tackle the difficult subjects. So not too long ago, the uh, Supreme Court came down with a, uh, a, a, what do they call it? A conclusion? A ruling. A, a, ruling. a, a ruling. There we go. A ruling. Thank you. Do your a research, ruling. brother. They, they, they had some things to say, and, and they, they did it in a formal way. Uh, they, they ruled uh, against Harvard and UNC um, uh, re with regard to using race in their admissions process. And so that's going to be the basis of the conversation. But I know that you wanted to spend a little bit of time uh, laying the framework or the foundation for the for this topic. So uh, you want to you want to run with that? Sure. Yeah, I think there's a couple of issues that we should discuss. One, the constitutionality of affirmative action in general, and then um, the effectiveness, uh, the effectiveness of, of the policy. So uh, we talk about constitutionality. Um, you know, there's supposed to be no discrimination according to race by the federal government. So it's odd to me that we talk about the fact that we should have um, affirmative action. I wonder what your thoughts are and how that could coincide with the fact that the Constitution um, tells us that we shouldn't be judging people according to race, gender, those types of things. Well, in uh, before that ruling, there have been other rulings in the past that have have noted that there there are discrepancies uh, with respect to race that you would expect in 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 general in many situations that. Uh, that certain populations, narrow populations, would uh, to a degree reflect the overall general population, and that the Supreme Court will sometimes step in and intervene, or, or also Congress will as well, when they feel like that there are uh, failings in that regard. And as, as an example, um, the Voting Rights Act uh, required that the certain states uh, check in with or, or yeah, check in with the Department of Justice to try and limit the discrimination against uh, minority races in those states. So there are certain circumstances where that will occur. And the affirmative action within admissions has been historically for the last uh, four, 50 years, 60 years, has been one of those circumstances uh, where the it was, it was deemed acceptable to favor a race that was historically uh, underrepresented. So is your contention then that if in a particular instance, um, the number of people from, and you know, it's a difficult thing for me to say race, and we're talking about just the color of people's skin, because you know, we're all the human race, but you know, a certain, certain group of people, um, we can say race, I guess, because that seems to be the what people use, but um, a certain group of people underrepresented, and you would you would say if they're underrepresented, for example, they don't match the uh, makeup of the population in general, then we should fix that. Is what you're saying? Well, there's there's so the looking broadly. So you know, if you were to say the the university population, student population in general, if there are across you know all uh, or, or mo most of the universities, if there is a, a shortcoming, if they're not living up to the uh, matching the general population, then chances are it, that there are there are some issues as to why. 
And so we don't need to get it to match exactly. And and there may be particular institutions that don't match for, for various reasons. But if it's looks more uh, universal is not the right word, but if you look at the entire university system, if it doesn't uh, align, then there it is something that should be addressed if it can be. Yeah, I would wholeheartedly disagree with that because I think assuming that the whole population is going to participate equally or that different groups of disparate people with different cultures are going to participate equally in different activities, it's never the case. You know, the, the most obvious example that people give all the time is let's look at the NBA or the NFL. Are we going to say, well, geez, we don't have enough white people or enough Asians or enough Indians in the NBA because it should match the number, it should match uh, the population as a whole. No, I don't think anybody makes that argument. Well, if take we, a look at the NBA back in the 1960s or the college population back in the 1960s. And we lived in a very different world mm -hmm. where segregation and separation by race was a very common practice. Now, I, I would say, first off, the the equal protection that is promised in the Constitution is for the federal government. Um, and so for the federal government to go in, well, for the government in general, I guess, is probably some mirroring or matching of that with state governments. But um, I think we should distinguish between the what the federal government is required to do and say, um, you know, should the whole, should every business have to do that? But but more to your point, yeah, there was segregation back then. And now it's opened up. Like, I don't think that answers the question. Are you saying now because the percent of Black people in the NBA is much higher than uh, the percent of Black people in the population as a whole? There's some sort of segregation or there's some sort of uh, improper hiring of nba basketball players well no because the the but the, that's the argument you made earlier you said earlier well listen if it doesn't match the general popular population as a whole then that must mean there's something wrong so if that's no, the case I, make, the, make, make that point with the nba i did qualify by saying in in, in general and you know that there are certain circumstances where it's going to be different the nba or, or any athletic organization has a very narrow criteria by which they uh, bring on new personnel. Now, within the universities, there wait, wait, are... Wait, just define the difference. They, they, they have a certain set of criteria, which is athleticism and ability to score and things like that. Sure. The same as... But why would that be any different the way that universities look at it? They look at test scores and everything else. Great question. And I'm glad you brought that question up because that's what we're going to get into here. No, no, no. Don't change the subject. Talk, tell me why the NBA is different. Because the university is not just interested in your academic scores. Okay. So, what else are they interested in? What's that? What else are they interested in? Well, for example, uh, a, a particular university might might want to uh, might want to focus on their their football team. Might want to uh, recruit for their particular team. They might decide that they that their drama department needs a little bit of a push and a little bit of a lift. They want they they feel like that their drama department is is something that a lot of people are going to be drawn to. And then there are some people. Some universities that are looking what, for what does that have to do? That doesn't prove anything. That, that, that doesn't have what does that have to do with anything? Well, if you are trying to uh, 
encourage football players to come to your school, uh, you might be willing to have a football player fill out the uh, freshman class whose academics don't quite meet some of the more stringent uh, criteria that you'd otherwise apply. You give Are you that saying that somehow makes the the university less diverse or something like? No, I I, I don't know what that has to do with. You're, you're saying it's going to match the general population. No, what um, I'm saying what I'm saying is is that th that there, the university is not just looking at test scores. The university has a broader criteria by which they they bring people in, by which they enroll students, whereas a sporting team only looks at your athletic performance on that particular field. Now, I mean, they may may also look at like team play, you know, sportsmanship and and being a team player, but but it's primarily around the ability to improve the team's performance. I don't think you're making your point. Your point is that um, if you look at the population as a whole, the, the percentage of groups in the population as a whole should match what's in the university. Well, when people come into the university, the people trying to get there on athletics, by your argument, which is the population as a whole, it's going to match. Well, whether it's they're trying to get there because of athletic ability or academic ability or anything else, it should match. You're saying it would match. No. I'm saying it wouldn't. I'm saying that different people are or different groups of people are drawn to different things. Different groups of people are drawn to athletics. Different people are drawn to academics. But you're saying it's going to match as a whole. But you say, well, because the university is very broad, then it should match as a whole. But MBA won't. I, I just don't understand the distinction that There's, you're making. There are a few different arguments that are in, encapsulated in what it is that we're discussing. That first of all, how do you identify whether there is a discrepancy in in the the racial makeup of a group? And one way you can look at it: does it represent the overall population? Now, as I was saying, there are certain circumstances where you don't necessarily you won't have your the racial makeup reflect the population. For example, a sporting team, because there are going, there's a different criteria. It's not just a, a representation of the general population. Now, the other aspect to that is that a university mm -hmm. is not just looking to enroll students like a, like an athletic team based on academic performance. They may, they may be strictly interested in academic performance, but there's other reasons by which they would look at it. For example, in the 1978 case, that was sort of the the, the benchmark of, of affirmative action. The the one judge that was the deciding judge, Justice Powell, he said that um, the the compelling was it the compelling state interest in a diverse student body in which everyone benefits from a range of perspectives in the classroom. And so in that situation, you are looking for a broad range of perspectives by race, by academics, by by interests, by hobbies, by athletic activities, by all sorts of things. And the student population in general will benefit by that broad and diverse population. But by your argument, that should happen naturally. No. Why not? Why not? Because there, it, it can. But if a a. a, a university is interested in that that diverse population then they'll go out and they'll focus and they'll, and they'll pick because just as they may be interested in promoting the football team or the drama team or the chess team the chess club they're going to look to ensure because if they have let's say in the previous year they had a lot of people that came out for the for the drama club and this year they wanted they want to really focus on on our larping group the the live action role playing group that go out and pretend to be knights and and the you know they they want to they feel like that part of their student body is is waning a little bit so they want to bring in some more of them so they're going to 
weight this incoming class by that particular population. Right, but you're not talking at all about race. You keep saying, well, they're going to look at different things, you know, different interests that people have or different uh, pursuits that people have. But your argument previously was if the university, uh, that, that the university should be, should match their, the, the makeup of uh, their student body should match what happens in the general population. So why would what you're saying, what they're doing, have anything, cause any problems with that? Wouldn't it just match the population like you're saying? Why doesn't it match the population? Well, uh, and, and are you saying that it should that? I mean, I, I don't even know what your argument is. Are you, you're kind of bringing up all these points. But are you saying, well, uh, it won't match the, the general population if they go out and look for LARPing kids or student athletes or whatever else? Like, what is the issue? I'm saying there shouldn't be discrimination according to race. Affirmative action says there is because you're talking about all these different ways that people look at things. And I'm saying, hey, when you look at it, you shouldn't say I'm going to have one. Uh, one set of criteria for this group of people and another one for this other group of people. It should be the same. We should treat everybody the same. Well, okay. So if we let's let's go back and look at historically why affirmative action had to come into play because it wasn't representing yes. the population. And now the question is, how are we doing today? How how? So, so, so you're saying it would match the population. So we're back to where we started, which is you're saying it should match the population. And if what? it doesn't, there's a problem. And then I say, well, here's an example of where it doesn't match. Show me the problem. It's sports. Sports mm -hmm. doesn't match the population. Why not? Are they racist? Is, is who racist? The people that are picking these sports teams. No, they're not because they're picking on, on one single criteria. So you're saying if there's one criteria, I mean, we're talking about athleticism or their ability to play basketball, then they won't be racist. But if they have multiple criteria, then they will be racist. Or no, it's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that that race doesn't play into it at all because they're because in sports, all they're looking at is that one aspect. And if it becomes heavily weighted by that by that particular race, it's not an issue to anybody because of the fact that they were only focused on that one criteria. So you're saying if there were multiple criteria in the NBA and, and there were a lot of black people in the NBA, then it would be racist? It depends on the criteria. Like what are the criteria? Um, academics. Is that, what, is that where you're going with this? I'm like, drama? I don't know. No. I'm trying to figure out what you're saying. You're saying if there's more than one criteria then and, and there's a disproportionate uh, representation in uh, the results, then it must be racism. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, why that why that means racism, just because there's more than one criteria. Like if you have one criteria and you end up with a disproportionately high group of people, well, that's not racism. But if you have multiple criteria and you end up with, uh, you know, for example, let's say you had one university um, that had a whole bunch of Asian people mm -hmm. and there's multiple people, multiple criteria. Is that racist then if a, if a university ends up with a bunch of Asian people? Well, it depends um, even on, looking, on how they ended up with those with that population. Were they right, but you, them because that's they were not what you were saying before. You 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 you're cha you keep changing your argument. No, you listen, listen. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is is that the 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 racial makeup of a group can possibly indicate an issue, and so then you need to look at why that racial population is skewed one way or the other, or why it's why it's fully distributed. It, it's not doesn't always mean that there's racism if you have a particular racial makeup, but it can, and then you need to look at why. So make the so I still so fine. You're saying that I just don't understand. And then you kind of were explaining it by saying, well, 
if there's one set of if there's one criteria that they're looking at, then it, it's not racism. But if there are multiple, then it could be racism, I guess, is what you're saying. So tell me how uh, if there's a university today that has too many that has, you know, a higher percentage of white people in the student body as compared to the general population or more Asian people or whatever, more black people. That's a problem for you. Tell me why that is. I'm not. It's not a problem unless the reason why that that population is what it is is because they were chosen because of their race. So affirmative action, but is it's applied broadly, I guess. So how is it that we can uh, de determine, like you're saying, it's an individual university that we should be looking at and try to look at their um, recruiting techniques or something, but. Um, that's not the way that these court cases have gone. They said in general, you ha we have to have the same number of, you know, a higher number of, you know, a certain race or something like that. But I just don't understand how that works. Like what you're saying is not how I've seen it played out. The way I've seen it played out is they say affirmative action and then the university says, okay, we're going to get a certain number. We need a, a higher percentage of these people. So we're going to change the criteria for accepting this group of people, but not for the, this other group of people. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand. I don't understand why that's the case. Like you're saying, well, we need to look at that carefully, but they don't look at it carefully. They apply it broadly. Who who doesn't look at it carefully? The university or the overseeing those overseeing the university? The, the federal government. They they implement uh, affirmative action and say, hey, you can, in my mind, go against the Constitution, which says don't discriminate according to race, color, creed, whatever, don't discriminate. And then these universities, then they force these universities to say, okay, you need to discriminate because I want you to have a, a higher number of this group of people and not that other group of people. Well, remember that the, that there are times where the, the, uh, the federal government and the Supreme Court has said that there, there are times where it is, it is acceptable to discriminate when there is a, a group that is being put down that is being held back by some group, some organization. So for example, with the Voting Rights Act or with when affirmative action came out and affirmative action that was supported by the Supreme Court many times, including the big case of 1978, because the big case of 1978 was very similar to the case that came out now where there was an individual that said he should have gotten into, I think it was Cal Poly. It was a school in, in California, um, but because he was white, he didn't get in. And at that time, the, the school had a, a, uh, a quota of, of I, I think it was Asian students that they were looking to bring into their school. And he said, that's the, the one of those spots should have been his. And this case went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court came down with a ruling that said that it is, it is, I'll, I'll read it to you. Mm -hmm. As I said before, the compelling state interest in a diverse student body in which everyone benefits from a range of perspectives in the classroom. So there are certain circumstances where the Supreme Court said that you can choose one race over another. And cases and instances where they didn't as well. But we're discussing whether how they should rule. I think the problem, I guess the problem I'm trying to get at with you, Brian, I, I don't quite understand, you know, you, it's these nebulous ideas that you're presenting of like, well, if there's a problem, then they can address it. And if, you know, if there is racism, they can address it. But we need to talk in specifics about, okay, well, what is the problem? You know, for example, if you have a university, I guess, well, you know, at the risk of being a, a little bit racist myself. We should talk a little bit about why there could be differences that have nothing to do with race. You know, I think both of us, as we went to high school, 
there were a lot of Asian students that scored very high on the SAT and did, had got very good grades. Does that mean that they were somehow treated unfairly? They, they, they were given advantages that we weren't? Or were they just interested in academics? And were their parents as very interested in academics? I mean, different groups of people seek after different things. And when we, I, I think the problem that I have with affirmative action is it is so common for people to say, well, I see a different outcome than what is reflected in the general population. That's racism. And I think that's what people who are against affirmative action are afraid of is it's a very easy thing to say, well, fewer there are fewer black people in this university than is represented in the in the general population or there's too many Asian people or whatever else. So we need to fix that. And, the, you know, there could be a lot of different reasons why there are fewer or more people in uh, the university that have nothing to do with discrimination by race. And okay, we should so have the same criteria. If we go back to the 1960s, you feel like that affirmative action shouldn't have, should not have been implemented. Um, yeah, I do. You I think like I, the segregation that was happening in, in the South, not just in the South, but but in other, you know, in the North as well. And no, I think you're I think you're conflating a couple of issues because you talked about the Voting Rights Act before, which I don't consider affirmative action. The Voting Rights Act says everybody gets a right to vote. Yeah, got no problem with that. And the and reason the why it came into play was because there were certain states that, that were restricting certain racial populations from the same voting rights that other populations had. Exactly. But that's not affirmative action. That's the Voting Rights Act. That are, Those are two different things. Affirmative yeah. action is saying, listen, if you're going to be bringing a bunch of uh, students into the university, you have quotas. You have to bring a certain number of each group of people into the university. And I don't think that works. I do agree the federal government should never discriminate. Anybody that has public funding, we should never discriminate. Uh, but affirmative action, I don't think, is a good policy. I don't think it is. I don't think it brings the desired results. And um, I think oftentimes it's uh, applied incorrectly because, you know, for example, we don't want affirmative action with the NBA. There happen to be a lot of black people that are either just better at basketball or are much more interested in pursuing that career. OK, but. If we go back to, you know, the world back in the 60s and, and you're you're saying that, you know, public universities that are receiving public funding should never discriminate. It, it would have been OK for private universities to discriminate against people of different races. Unfortunately, and uh, uh, even businesses. And that's that's yeah, I, nothing the government should do about that. Just say that that's just that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Well, I mean, another one thing that, that one can look at is if you look at the, the population of uh, the enrollment over the last uh, 40 years, I think it was, you can see a, a very strong increase in the, the, uh, the population, the, the enrollment of black students. They went up by, by 3%. Uh, this is what what is this time frame? Seventy six to two thousand eight. So basically thirty years. Uh, Hispanic students increased by nine percent. Uh, Asian and Pacific Islander increased by five percent. Uh, the white population decreased by twenty percent. Yeah, so, Brian. I think this exact this is the type of thing that I'm talking about. You say, hey, uh, we had affirmative action. And then you find some other statistic that is, okay, black uh, enrollment in universities has gone up. Th that's the reason because of- That's not what I action. said. 
No, but, but you're I, implying it by saying like, hey, well, you're this is what happened, Colin. I mean, we're talking about it sounds like to me that you're implying the fa- that it had that that was the reason that that uh, enrollment went up. And I think there are a lot of reasons that that's that the, that enrollment increased. And I think it's great. So I don't as, think such as what? Uh, what, what, what are some of the reasons that that black enrollment went up at the universities over the over the 30 years from 76 to 2008? I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons. Uh, you know, people getting more opportunities. The economy is increasing. More people are going to university in general, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. They're they're more interested in those types of things. I, I I'm not a sociologist, but I I think in all aspects that is improving. To say that it's we're going to ascribe it to just affirmative action uh, is is in is I mean I, I I was reading in that article that I sent you that um, college enrollment was increasing before the Civil Rights Act in 1964. Sure. But of course, what I'm what I was referencing was actually percentages of the population, not just broad increases. Percentages were increasing before 1964, the Civil Rights Act and affirmative action. Right, and, and the, the the college populations were increasing, in particular, of those races because the white population was decreasing over that same time frame that I was referencing. Well, I mean, and, and to say that it's a zero sum game, why not? Like more universities could open up. Like, do do white. Does, do you want r- white enrollment to be reduced as a percentage of the population so that other uh, groups of people can increase? I would just well, I, hope that we can all go, you know? I don't think sure. we need to be picking and choosing. Well, and universities did in, did increase enrollment because the white the number of white students going to universities increased, but the percentage representation decreased because there was a greater increase in some of the other races that were going to schools. But I, once again, I would hope that that greater increase could be taken up by more universities, more opportunities, as opposed to saying it has to be a zero-sum game, or at least that we have to reduce uh, the percentage of white enrollment to increase black enrollment or any you know, anything else. The only problem I have, Brian, is the criteria, it should be colorblind. The criteria should be the same for everybody. Uh, you know, in another, another problem that people have with this is if you, for example, say, well, there's a reason that it's very difficult to get into Harvard. I mean, part of the reason is so part of the reason is because if it weren't so difficult, I mean, the people that can't get in probably wouldn't survive there. So when we lower the standards for a certain group of people, then um, it's going to be harder for those students once they get there. And, you know, to say that Harvard is the only place you could go, you know, there's there's a, a certainly an argument to be made that somebody who is not quite up to Harvard standards or maybe the lower third of Harvard standards gets in. If they would have gone to a different university, say BYU, where I went, because it's not as prestigious as Harvard or Syracuse or whatever else, they might do better there. Instead of being at the bottom of the class, they could be at the top of it. Um, you know, but for example, if if uh, I, I think there's a, you know, I just don't understand how lowering the standards, especially in an academic situation, we think that's going to be a good idea and somehow help these people. When, you know, for example, if I got led into Harvard, how would it have been for me? It would have been very, very difficult. I was not a diligent student. Maybe I'm just not as smart as those guys. And so for me to get in there, would it not necessarily have been a good thing for me? Well, and, and that's one of the arguments that is brought up frequently by, by people that when you lower the standards too far, you make it difficult for those that are admitted to succeed, that there there still must be some standards because it, 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 unless the university is, is is academically freedom or academically free is academically loose, doesn't have the, you know, the academic rigor, that the, the individuals that are led into the schools still have to be able to uh, 
perform academically. So you can't lower the standards too far. At the same time, there are other criteria than strictly academic performance. And one of the arguments I put forth, I heard put forth against uh, affirmative action is that race alone wasn't in this day and age a really valuable distinction. And they gave the example of a white upper class individual from Westchester County, New York that went to the, all the right prep schools and vacation in the right places is not going to be that different from an upper class black person that grew up in Westchester County that went all to the right, went all the right private schools and basically had the same life. And they're saying at this point, at this day and age, if you really want to get a diverse population, instead of looking at race, look at things like like uh, uh, regions that they grow up in. Maybe look at zip codes. Look look at the different cities that they grow up in. It, it's much more you're much more likely to get a diverse population than race alone. And I think I think it's a valid point. Um, well, yeah, I would agree, and I think affirmative action has the tendency to help a certain group of people. We sometimes want to always split us up according to race, but it, we should be looking more closely at economic opportunities, um, those types of things, because, you know, a poor white person or a poor black person is more, they may, they may have a life that's been much more similar than to you know, a, a rich white person or a rich black person or a rich Asian or something like that. And I do think there's a value to, to having a diverse population. I, I think that instead of reading about life in, in Southern Appalachia, to actually meet someone and hear about their life experience, I think it sits with us a, a little bit more effectively and we get a better understanding of what that life is like. And so being having that exposure, I think, is really important. Uh, the uh, And I also do want to point out that in this uh, the Supreme Court case that just happened where this court, the majority of the court ruled against Harvard and UNC, one of the dissenting opinions, Justice Sonia Sotomayor, Within her opinion, she said, quote, the majority's vision of race neutrality will entrench racial segregation in higher education because racial inequality will persist as long as it is ignored. And that made me sad because she is saying that we as a, as a society cannot avoid racism. And I, I feel like that we are moving in the right direction. Maybe we haven't gotten to the place that she wants to be, but she is arguing that we need the government, we need the the, the man to come out and tell us to how to avoid racism because we as a people can't do it. I do feel like the affirmative action uh, guidelines were a very broad and blunt instrument that were very necessary back in the 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s. And as time has gone on, they're not as useful. And now we need to, instead of coming at the, the problem with an ax, we need to come at it with a scalpel and be a little more particular about how we work on solving the problems. Yeah, Brian, that argument that she makes and that you echo is exactly what I was, the point I was trying to contradict before. She comes at that with no evidence. She says, well, I guess the only evidence she has is the results aren't like I would like them to be. Or I would expect them to be instead of saying, because it's very difficult to say why we get those results. If there is a higher number of Asian people uh, in these universities than is represented in the population, well, what advantage did they benefit from? Because they, you know, it wasn't the same, you know, as some other racial groups, blacks specifically, but they, there was a lot of uh, discrimination against Asians for a long time. 
So how somehow have they, in spite of all of that, why are they represented in higher degrees at high at um, more prestigious universities than white people? Why is that happening? She says, well, it doesn't look like I want it to be, but what she's talking about specifically is certain groups of people, not all of them. And there may be other reasons. Like, is it racism that more Asians are accepted into these universities? Okay, if we're going to say no, then why is it racism if Hispanics or Black people are not accepted at higher rates at these universities? Yeah, and then we come up with this this new racial category of white adjacent. The yeah. Asian is called white adjacent. I'm not even sure what that even means. I, I think that it, it's the way of saying that we're not going to include them as a people of color because um, they, they don't fit our standards and, our, and the norms that we have. I don't know. No, it's because it doesn't fit the narrative. Because if you say, well, listen, I have this, I have these groups of people that are, that are, that are underrepresented in the universities that proves my racism. And then somebody comes back and says, well, what about this other group that is overrepresented and it doesn't fit the narrative? Okay. Well, that's white adjacent. Well, I don't even know what that means. I feel like it's just because when, so when, when Justice Sotomayor says that there's no proof to say that the underrepresentation of certain races in certain places is the result of discrimination and racism. It's very, very difficult to prove that because there are so many factors that go into what make up a people. They have different interests. They focus on different things. You can think of, I mean, in that article that I sent you by Thomas Sowell, you can see so many examples of overrepresentation in certain fields of a certain group of people, and it's got nothing to do with racism. Many times it's a, a group of people that is uh, that doesn't have political power, you know? So, you know, and, and one example is the NBA, but there's a lot of different examples. Diamond merchants in New York City. Why are, why are so many of them Jewish? Does that mean there's racism that they are, that Jewish people can are overrepresented there or Indian people that start uh, convenience stores? That's they seem to do that in droves. I don't know why. Does that mean that it's racist that 7-Eleven or these other uh, convenience store providers are are racist, that they only like certain groups of people? no. They just seem to migrate to those areas. And it's not, we cannot prove that that is racism. And I think her blanket statement and you just, and you agreeing with it and saying, well, yeah, I mean. I didn't agree with her. Oh, I, I, I was opposed to what she said. I was anti what she said. Oh, you said I was sad. I thought you were saying I was sad, meaning that she's right, that we're no, going to have no, this no. racism problem. Okay. No. No, thank you for clarifying. I found it very upsetting that she was she she was basically saying that we we will we will devolve into the racist South that we that existed for a hundred years unless the government comes in with the big stick and beats us away from that that uh, eventual state. Correct. I think one of the greatest things that will that one of the, I mean, the the point that I'm trying to make is if we sit back a little bit, you know, for example, if you if, if there's a certain group of people that is really qualified and really wants to get into these universities and uh, these universities are rejecting them. They'll end up someplace else and those universities will do better because of it. You know, For example, if we tried to start um, a, a competitor to the NBA and we said, we're only gonna hire American Indians or Asians or white people or something like that, it would not, the, qu the quality of play would not be as good because we should be looking only at the ability of those people that we're hiring. And the same should be true when you're recruiting students, when you're recruiting anybody for anything. It, racism will go away eventually if we stand back and let it. But affirmative action, it, it's almost like affirmative action says we need to combat racism with more racism. So what you're saying is if we had left the South alone back in the 60s, 
they would have the segregation would have gone away. They would have desegregated on their own. All those. Once again, once again, you're conflating issues. When we talk about the governments, they cannot discriminate. When we talk about the Voting Rights Act, we cannot discriminate. But it wasn't just the governments that were discriminating. Correct. I'm saying what I'm saying is we don't need to worry about all the businesses eventually. Like if, if, if you have a town where black people are, you know, there's no restaurants for them, then other restaurants that begin serving them are going to do much better. I, I think that stuff, it, it was going to happen, but there was so much government that what was causing the problem there was government. The Voting Rights Act, for example, all this segregation was from the police. The The state was enforcing segregation. Why would you fight against it if you're if you're a white person, because even the government is against you for it. So if you take the government out of it, it all, it, I think it eventually does go away. That's I'm like you thinking on your part. I, I'd love to see an example of where that actually happened. Cause I can't think of it actually happening. Well, uh, did the, did the, um, MBA start hiring more black people because of affirmative action or because they were trying to get a higher quality of, of players? I don't know. You have to go and do some research on that and bring, give me the answer. It was not because of affirmative action. The, the government has not enforced hiring requirements on the NBA or the NFL or MLS, any of those uh, different. So there's an example of where we went the opposite direction in spite of this supposed racism that would never go away that you were talking about. The Boston Celtics, I mean, Boston was a very, very racist city, and they began to hire a lot of black athletes. You know, that, that, there, there's your example is is sports. We went the opposite direction and it wasn't from enforcement from the from the government. Well, we'll have to call it there because we're out of time. So you got the, you got the last word. And we got a minute and, and 11 seconds, it looks like. Yeah, I could try and rush something in, but you're going to want to respond. Oh, you can, you like can do the last if you'd like. A minute, 11 seconds isn't a lot to do work with. So okay. we'll call this done. All right, Brian. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. We hope you learned something in this episode of Brother vs. Brother, a podcast about difficult conversations. We also hope that you enjoyed it enough to subscribe to the podcast. You can help us by spreading the word. Share this episode on your favorite social media so that others will have an opportunity to experience it as well. You can also support us by donating through Patreon. This information and more can be found on our website, broconvo.com and on our various social media accounts. Thank you.